live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. We had John McCuron during the 2 o'clock hour yesterday. He is in Toronto. And one of the things he said really kind of, it, it stuck in my mind, and it's been sort of bothering me for the last 22 hours. And that is that he said there are very, very few Bucks fans from Milwaukee who are in Toronto. He says he's been able to find some Bucks fans, but typically they are people who live in Toronto who are Bucks fans. But it doesn't appear that Bucks fans have traveled in any sort of great numbers, at least for Game 3. I spent about 20 minutes before the show looking at the ticket situation for tonight's game, and at, at least on the secondary market, there's lots and lots of tickets available, and not necessarily for stupid money. I mean, you, you can, at least some of the websites I'm looking at, you can get into the arena for like around 125 to $150. Now, that's the greatest seats in the world, but there's plenty that are available. So, you know, if you wanted to follow the team to Toronto, you would be able to do that. Now, I find this to be interesting because, for example, the, the Green Bay Packers, fans travel incredibly well. I mean, you go to any – it doesn't matter whether the Packers are having a good year or a bad year. You, know, you go to a city where the Packers are playing a road game, and you're going to see a ton of Packers fans that are going to be there. The Brewers, especially lately, they travel well, too. Maybe not as well as the Chicago Cubs fans travel or the Chicago, or the St. Louis Cardinals, but it, that is changing. I mean, you can go during the regular season to almost any city when the Brewers are playing on the road, and you're going to find a decent-sized contingent of Brewers fans. Now, again, admittedly, some of those are going to be transplants. I mean, you know, maybe you're out in Los Angeles, and it's Milwaukee people who are living in Los Angeles, and they go out to the game. But there are also some people who have traveled. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is no question that the Milwaukee Bucks' magical season has completely and totally certainly captured the interest of Wisconsin. And I think maybe if you look at some of the national and international press, maybe captured the interest in the world because of you know interest in Giannis and, and things like that. Pfizer Forum is hopping. You know, you go down there Thursday night before the game. It's going to be standing room only. People packed, you know, shoulder to shoulder in the Deer District, you know, watching the games on the big screen TVs. I was telling the story last night. I was at a, yesterday, I was at a dinner party, a wonderful dinner party on Sunday evening. And, you know, after dinner, I, I you know, we, we all kind of gravitated around the TV set. And there were a number of people who I don't think have ever watched a pro basketball game, certainly not in the next 20, last 20 years, but they're cheering wildly for the Bucks. So they've captivated the interest. But, but it doesn't appear, at least for this series, that you've had Bucks fans traveling in any sort of large numbers to Toronto. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's going on? Why do you think that is the case? If 
you believe that that's the case. And I mean, all I have is the anecdotal reports, but we got John McCure on the ground and he's saying, I, I, I can't, I'm looking all over for Bucks fans from Wisconsin and I'm not finding them. What's happening? I've got some theories, but I'd like to discuss it with you. 414-799-1620. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with the calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, tickets for all these big sporting events are what I would collectively describe as stupid money. But I I was looking at the secondary market for games tonight, and and for you know a little bit over a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars, you can get in the building and be in the upper deck Um, in Toronto. There's plenty of those seats that are available in the secondary market, so it's not a question of not being able to get the tickets. Yet, you know, Bucks fans haven't gone to Toronto in any great um, numbers, at least anecdotally. That's what we're hearing from John McCure. Is there a reason for this, and what do you think it is? Let's start with Mike in Pewaukee. Hi, Mike. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Hey, I, I, I think it's uh, – I looked into it. I agree. The prices are great. and It's not all that far away, but you need a passport. Right. And I don't have one, so that took me out of the picture heading up there. Yeah, I mean, it's not like going to Boston or going to Oakland or anything. You you do need a passport. And I guess exactly. I I just don't – I mean, I've, I've just had one for years and years, um, so it's kind of second nature to me. And But I, you think there's just a lot of people out there that might have gone but don't have passports. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, I mean, that's certainly that's certainly something. It, it's a lot more difficult to travel. Now, like I say, I got a passport a long time ago because occasionally I travel overseas. Also, I, I use the passport for identification. I take my passport with me when I travel. I find it easier to get through TSA, but I, I have one. Yeah, if, if you didn't have one, you wouldn't be able to have gotten one. I mean, it takes you... It, it takes several weeks to get a passport. 414-799-1620. What's going on? Is it, is it as simple as that? Sandy in Cudahy. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Sandy. I believe with the gentleman that just you talked with, uh-huh. um, it's the passport issue, I believe, because all of us in Wisconsin support our teams. Sure. And if you don't travel abroad, you're not going to have a passport, and you can't get one easily or quickly, I should say. Right, um, right. So I really believe that's the reason that there are a lot of people that are not being able to get there. Yeah, you know, the other thing, and somebody just sent me a text on this, too, that it's it's not a cheap place to fly to. I mean, there it's, you know, some, some places you can get on a plane and the tickets are kind of reasonably priced. Somebody is saying the airfare was over $1,000 to, to get there. Wow. So, you know, that that's a pretty big downstroke as well for a game that's the conference finals, but there may be the NBA finals as well. Well, hopefully um, we don't have to worry about that and we'll get to the finals. <laughs> no, that's it. No, thanks, Nicole. Well, you know, I, I will tell you, I, I think I think the passports is, is, is one factor. I do think that there might be people who are kind of holding their ammunition, waiting, and I, look, I... I believe the Bucks are, are going to win. I think if I was a betting guy, I'd say they win in five games. But, you know, I, I think they're going to win. I think they're the better team. I, and I'm, you don't want to take Toronto for granted. And I'm not suggesting that people do that at all. But I, I think there might be folks who think, you know, they are a better team than Toronto. They're going to go to the NBA Finals. And so if you have somebody that has the, the means and wants to go follow the team on the road, maybe it's like, all right, I don't want to do this to Toronto. I'm going to wait until they make the finals, assuming that they make the NBA Finals, and then I'm going to take that money and I'm going to spend it and I'm going to go see a game you know, in, in, go, at, in Oakland at 414 So I think there's some of that going on as well. 
Rob in Fond du Lac. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Um, I know myself, you know, living in Fond du Lac, I think of about seven or eight reasons, including passport. But, you know, I'd have to commute from Fond du Lac to Milwaukee, park my car, buy a ticket, fly over there, then you got to find transportation, a cab, or rent a car. Then you got to have lodging, then you got meals, and you pay your ticket price, $140 or whatever. Right. Uh, and then you trip back. So you're looking at probably a minimum of three days, really, uh, probably knocking off work, losing right. wages. So I think it's a big cost factor, the inconvenience of the passport, whereby right. if it was domestically where you could drive four or 500 miles, you can do it in two days. You can drive over there, to right. the dam, get lodging next to your back home. Right, and you know, and I, w- I was using the examples earlier of like the Packers and the Brewers. A lot of the Packer games are on weekends, so you you don't have that work factor that's involved. Lots of the Brewer games are during the summer when school's out, so you can tie it around perhaps a family vacation. Hey, you know, we're 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 going down to you know we're we're going down to Texas, so the Brewers are playing in Arlington. Let's go catch a game there or something. So you you can tie that in as well with the kids being out of school. Yeah, no, thanks, Nicole. No, I mean, it's a, it's a valid factor. By the way, this is not a diss on Bucks fans. It's just, it is just kind of intriguing to me because I have seen the way the Bucks have captured the attention of certainly this area. And I mean, let's face it, I think there's people all around the world that are rooting for the Bucks to win because they're, they've got a great team. They're fun to watch. Golden State's won for so many years in a row now. I think people would like to see the Bucks knock them off. Mike on the Northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Mike, I agree with uh, all the callers. Yeah, I agree with all the callers here. I think it's obviously the passport. If it was a case where everybody needed a passport to get there, I think find a lot of people from the Milwaukee and Toronto. Right. Um, obviously, Toronto, in my opinion, is a lot nicer city to go to than of the seventies. Yeah, I'm sorry, your, your cell phone's cutting out there. Well, I mean, Toronto, and I said this when I talked to McCure yesterday, Toronto is, in my opinion, one of the great cities in, in North America. And I think it's a, it's certainly a fun city to travel to, but, but it is out of the country and it is, there are hassles that are involved with this, including having the passport, going through customs. You've got the different currency, all those different issues. Plus, in, in fairness, it's a game on a, a Sunday night and on a Tuesday. So if you were going to go up there, you would be, you know, you'd have those kind of work issues and things like that. Um, and I, but I, I do go back as well. I, I think, I think there's just a lot of people who are kind of saving their powder and they're like, okay, we're, you know, we're going to, we're going to show up outside the Deer District on Thursday night. We know that there's going to be a game there. The interesting thing to me will be if somehow Toronto can win one of the next two games. And I don't think they're going to. Will people be scrambling, maybe Bucks fans scrambling to get up there for game six? Or will everybody say, hey, worst case scenario, we come back for game seven? Let's talk to Dave and Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think's going on? I, I think it's it's kind of what you hit on. I, I mean, personally, I think it's everybody's kind of, kind of keeping their powder dry. It's yeah. It's all you know. It's a hassle. I mean, let's face it. It's a it's a lot of money. It's a lot of you know jagging around. I think they'd rather splurge on a on a on a finals right than you know go through you know all the all the rigmarole. Right. It, 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 it's obviously it's a big downstroke. It's it's going to whether you go to Toronto or whatever, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Even though the, the tickets look to me to be reasonably priced to get in, it's still a deal where the plane trip's going to be a lot of money. The hotel rooms are going to be a lot of money. It's a pretty big downstroke. And if you're thinking maybe I want to travel, you're saying you wait to the finals. Well, I think that that it kind of bodes 
I mean, in kind of a warped way, it kind of bodes well the fact that everybody feels like they're going to make the finals. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I do do. I mean, I know what you mean. I, I, I do. And I, I mean, it's not an overconfident thing. I just, I think they're a better team than Toronto. And I appreciate that Toronto won on Sunday night, but I don't think Toronto can beat Milwaukee four games out of seven. And I think most no, people believe not, that. that. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. And then, you know, like I said, you know, it's kind of keep your powder, like yeah. or you said, you know, keep kind of right. keep your powder dry, so to speak. So, I right. mean, I don't know. I just, I think that's really what it, what it comes out. Cause even, even my son was going to go down to, you know, the, the game the other night down there, and he's like, well, no, I'm going to save up. You yeah, know, right. Switch. No, I think, no, thanks. I mean, I think there's I think there's a, a lot of that, and that's, I mean, the, the risk to that is that somehow Toronto runs the table and you have something weird that happens, but I don't think that's going to be the case. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Hi, David. Um, I, I would say that a lot of the callers are correct in what they've stated, but I will say this. Um, you know, a lot of it also has to do with there's just that many flights to go from Milwaukee to Toronto direct. I think it's it's very minimal at the most. And then um, the other thing I will say is this. The prices that you're mentioning with the tickets, I don't think people realize uh, that the American currency is almost yeah. worth a dollar thirty five over there. So you could get the tickets for under a hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> based on the exchange rate. And, you know, so you have that, but I also agree with the fact, you know, passport, um, you got the, you know, it's during the work week, so you got to miss some time from work, and, you know, you got yeah. all that to play, plus they're an hour ahead, so you lose that kind of a little bit as well. And, uh, you know, it, it gets a little convoluted that way. Yeah. But I, I don't think, think it's a reflection, I don't think it's a reflection on the fan base or the interest. I just think no. it's kind of a tough, th- th- this one's kind of tough to, it's kind of tough to go to. I, I think well, that the fan entrance is, is high. I was going to say, the other thing is this, if you notice the fan base is predominantly a lot younger as well. Um, and that being the case, I, I think there is the question of, you know, how much can you afford? Whereas, right. Packer fans, you got a waiting list, and you've got you know it's been going on for generations now. Where this is kind of like a whole new realm. Yeah, where the Bucks are actually relevant for once. You know, in almost twenty years. Right. So. No, no, you're right. And and of course, in fairness, for the Packers' regular season games, the schedule comes out several months in advance, and so you can plan. Honey, this is the year I'd really like to go on the road to see the Packers. Look, they're playing in Los Angeles or they're playing in Tampa or wherever. You, you have months to plan and months to make the arrangements. In this particular case, you didn't know whether it was going to be Toronto or Philadelphia till a couple days before that decision was made. Here's an interesting one. Jeff, I flew out of Dallas-Fort Worth last Friday at noon to Milwaukee, there were at least 12 people on the flight that was who were going to the Bucks game, coming to Milwaukee to attend the Bucks game last weekend. I was um, I was surprised there was that much interest. I agree with you. I think it's the passport. Yeah, well, what, whatever it is, I think the Bucks end up winning tonight. They come back. We have a party Thursday night, and then get ready to play Golden State. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Let's not bury the lead on this. We've got Republicans and Democrats who are wrestling with how do we make changes to health care law. There are some things that everybody agrees on, I think, that people with pre-existing conditions shouldn't be frozen out of the health insurance market. Right? We all agree on that. I think there's something else that we should all be able to agree on, and that is that people shouldn't get hit with surprise charges 
for surprise out-of-network treatments. Maybe you will be able to relate to this. Let me, let me give you an example for what I mean. It lets you Through your health insurance plan, if you've got health insurance, they have typically what is called network coverage and out-of-network coverage. The network coverage would be health, would be you know, medical providers who have negotiated deals with your, uh, with your insurance company and they, they get, they get discounts. So, you know, when you want to see a doctor, you go to, if you go in network, it's your deductible's going to be lower. There's going to be negotiated deals. It's going to be cheaper. You have, in many plans, you have the option of going out of network as well. Gru is the greatest physician in the world, and he's not in your network. You can use him, but you understand that you're going to have to pay a higher deductible, that um, they're not going to pay as much of his charges, etc. But it's a decision you make to go out of network. That's why the decision between network and out of network is very important. Well, stick with me, because here's where the problem comes in. A lot of times, or at least on occasion, even the savviest consumer won't realize or won't understand that one of the providers they're using is out of network. How could that be? Well, let me let me give you an example, and I'm I, this, this is a general sort of example. Let's say that you are um, you, you're part of the Freightert system. Okay, I do the everyday health features for Freightert. I'm I'm a patient at Freightert. Love Freightert. Okay, so let's say that you go to your Freightert doctor. The the you're in the Freightert health system. You go to the Freightert doctor, and that, that's who's your primary care physician. And the primary care physician says, Jeff. It's time for a colonoscopy. You need a colonoscopy. All right? And so he gives you a referral. And the referral is to have the colonoscopy at Freighter. This is, I'm just giving an example here. So you go out, you call up, you make arrangements. Okay, I'm going to have the colonoscopy performed at Freighter. I'm going to go out to Freighter Hospital. I'm going to go into the area where they do colonoscopies. Fine. So you show up at the designated time on the designated day. You meet with, you know, beforehand, you meet with the doctor who's a Freighter doctor who's going to be performing the colonoscopy. All right, everything is good. All the Freighter stuff is in network. So you go, you have your colonoscopy, everything is great, you go home, it's fine, and then you get a bill. You get a bill for the doctor who performed the colonoscopy, and that's it's an in-network charge, and it is whatever it is. But then you see this other bill that's floating around, and it's several thousand dollars from the anesthesiologist, who, who you really didn't meet who was part of this thing, but the anesthesiologist isn't part of the freighter network. See what I'm saying? So the anesthesiologist sends you this bill. The anesthesiologist is working, you know, through through freighter, but he's not part of the network. And so you end up getting this bill for, like I say, several thousand dollars. And you go, wait a second. You know, what, what, what's going on here? I thought, I mean, I, I have a freighter primary care physician, and I had the procedure done at freighter, and it was done by, you know, one of the freighter doctors. I mean, I don't know who the anesthesiologist is. I didn't meet the anesthesiologist until he, you know, put me under that day. I, 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 didn't, I didn't investigate, you know, whether this guy was in the network or not. I just assumed, hey, it's all part of freighter. I shouldn't get a bill for this. And I'm, I'm using freighter as an example, but you, you understand what, what happens here. But yeah. 
yet you do. And this is happening to more and more and more people. Matter of fact, there's a story in the L.A. Times today that I pulled out, you know, a, a woman who actually happens to be a congresswoman. All right. She had an emergency appendectomy, followed by five days in the hospital, $55,000 worth of services, all covered by her Anthem Blue Cross policy, you know, with only a $250 copay. But all of a sudden, she found herself getting a bill for over $3,000 by the sur- from the surgeon who had privileges at this particular hospital, but wasn't part of wasn't part of the network. Well, she's in for an emergency appendectomy. She doesn't. You know, she's thinking, hey, I'm in, I'm in my in-network hospital. I, I've got all the referrals. I've got all this stuff done. And all of a sudden, she finds out that one of the services, an expensive service, was performed by some doctor who was out of network. And she's getting billed, you know, several thousand dollars instead of just having to pay the $250. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I am not one of these big, you know, government regulation type of people. But I do think if we're talking about health care and keeping in costs and promoting transparency, I think this is an easy one to deal with. And and I guess the answer would be either capping out-of-network bills to a certain rate or requiring physicians under circumstances like I'm talking about to be paid at in-network rates even if they don't have a specific contract with the insurance company. But in the example I gave with the anesthesiologist, for example, you, you, you're not shopping around for the anesthesiologist. You've signed up for the colonoscopy, all right? You're, you are there. You think everything is in network. What are you supposed to do when you're getting ready? You've already taken all the stuff. You've prepped for the thing. You're sitting in your hospital gown. What are you supposed to do? Say, hey, doc, but you know, you know, before you put me out, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is this in network or out of network? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'm not a big government regulation guy, but this, what is happening is, I think it is fundamentally wrong. And to an extent, it's a legalized, I think, scam that is being perpetrated on on consumers of health care where you you know you don't you, you don't know and you can't find out and it's unple- an unpleasant surprise again I have no problem if you want to go to out-of-network coverage I, I look I, I get it you know if there's a particular hospital or there's a particular doctor that you want to seek treatment from and, and you want to go out of network that's great but you do that you know in most cases knowing that it's an out-of-network service I'm willing to pay that extra for it not surprise 414-799-1620 have you run into this and do we need to regulate it we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. And by the way, I'm just using Freighter as, as an example. I, I don't I don't mean to single out them. It was just to try to make the point. As a matter of fact, when my late wife 
when we were going through our cancer year, and she had all these different tests and all these different procedures, you know, we we never had a problem. The anesthesiologist and the surgeon and everybody was always in network, so I didn't get that unpleasant surprise. But it can, in fact, happen. Jeff, my husband, here's a text, thought he was having a heart attack. Instead of calling 911, his friends drove him to an in-network hospital in Madison. Weeks later, I get a bill from the cardiologist who ran tests on him, stating that the, this doctor has privileges at the hospital, but is not in network so we had to pay the costs on him i guess you have to ask each doctor while in an emergency department possibly having a heart attack do you have privileges at this hospital and my answer would be you shouldn't have to do that let's talk to Catherine in waukesha hi Catherine. hi how are you very well thank you what have you have you seen this happen before i have actually i'm an insurance broker and what happens is our clients call us if there are questions with any claims or anything that way. And what we've seen is while going to an in-network facility that you have verified is, in fact, in-network, yep. you, like you said, you get the surprise bill from the anesthesiologist and or pathologist. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what we have done very successfully is we have assisted our clients in writing a letter of appeal to the insurance company and the majority of the time the insurance company agrees and they do end up covering it as in network right so it's something that you can fight i guess my point would be it shouldn't happen in the first place <laughs> i agree completely and the other unfortunate thing is people a don't know that that's an option for them right or b don't know how about going about that Right, or or don't even or don't even necessarily understand the out of network versus the in network, and it gets right. it gets complicated and it gets tricky. I, I guess what frustrates me about it is it, when you when you have people who consumers who do who do the right thing. You need the colonoscopy. Okay, I've got the referral from my in network doctor. They're sending me to the in network hospital. The 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 surgeon. I the surgeon's even listed as in network, and then it turns out. I mean, you, I don't think it's fair to expect consumers to know every step of the procedure and like you're talking about the pathologist you don't know who's going to be looking at the thing that's just that's just not something that a typical consumer does no matter how educated they are that is absolutely correct and actually in response to um the email or the text or whatever that just came in previously about the emergency room that is most definitely grounds for appeal because in the case of an emergency network does not matter right Right. Insurance companies are required to cover it as if it was in network if it is a true emergency. Right. And it, been, again, you have to know enough to realize that and then to make the complaint and then to to fight City Hall. No, thanks for calling. Again, I, I don't and, and by the way, somebody sent me a text. This isn't the Affordable Care Act. No, I, I understand this is not a problem caused by the Affordable Care Act. This is a problem that has been ongoing. I am saying it is a problem and if we are looking at ways to improve the health care system. Isn't this something that maybe just like I think we all agree that pre-existing conditions need to be covered, whether it's Obamacare or some other version of Obamacare or something else, this is just another one of those factors that I think people need to be mindful of because it's not fair 
to give someone who's trying to do the right thing and trying to be an informed consumer to suddenly get a several thousand dollar surprise. Jeff, when I was in the hospital in labor with my second child, the doctor on call on the maternity ward was not in my network. I knew her previously. I told the nurses to get my doctor there ASAP because I wasn't having that other doctor deliver my baby as I didn't know what it would have meant for our out-of-pocket expenses. Luckily, an in-network doctor arrived just in time to deliver our daughter. Ridiculous that that had to even be a concern. Um, you know, that's that's what Beth says. You know, and Beth's Beth's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's okay. You're sitting there and just just picture this. You're you're getting ready to have a baby, and again, your 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 obstetrician is you know in network. You're in the in network hospital, but it turns out that the person who's on you know on the floor at that time isn't in network you probably wouldn't have known that except she knew the doc from previously and so in that particular case if the other doc had gone on and delivered the baby you would have gotten a surprise of i don't know how much doctors charge to deliver babies and i'm you know i'm i i i this isn't the thing about doctors not getting paid and stuff like that it is simply an idea of it is an unfair surprise on consumers and i think it's something i think it's something that that legislation could be crafted to deal with relatively easily. Here's another one, Jeff. Another problem in your example is that the anesthesiologist charge would have cost insurance about $800 in network, yet the doc charges you $2,000 because there's no discount. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you're paying more stuff on. Jeff, the healthcare system is broken. How many other things do you purchase without ever knowing the price or what you're going to pay for and what your insurance will pay for beforehand? Well, at least, and my response would be, at least for, for some procedures, if you want to be an informed consumer, you can go out and, and you can investigate that. You can say, okay, if I, I've got the referral for the colonoscopy, all right, I, I, you can call up, you can find out, okay, how much is the charge going to be? You can at least roughly figure out what it's going to cost, you know, and what you're, it's going to go towards your deductible or whatever. But that's all assuming that stuff is in network, not, gee, I never met this particular doctor before. I had no idea the guy wasn't in network. And boom, now I've got an extra $3,000 bill. In any event, Congress is looking at legislation which would rein this in. There's Republican support for it. There's Democrat support for it. I know we can't agree on anything when it comes to the area of health care. This might be something that you get some bipartisan support for. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Who I just love Melissa. Milwaukee, we're the coolest. I know. Yeah, we're, <laughs> Did you catch that? I caught it. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I caught it. We're, temperature we're the wise co- and otherwise. T- temperature wise and otherwise. As long as you are here, we are clearly. Oh. We have to be the coolest. Okay, should we put Gru on the spot here? Let's do it. All right, let's test your football knowledge there. All right, Greg Matzik, his report said the Packers were just winding up OTAs. Do you know what OTA stands for? Off-season uh, training. Mm-hmm. No. No, organized, te- that, that organized team activities, OTA. Uh, but but don't, don't feel bad. I... I actually I had to look it up. Oh, <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. You I, I, it? Right. No, no, no. I so yeah. no, but a lot of people like OTAs. Is it off season or but it's organized team activities? Okay, I have a six word message to third year Packer safety Josh Jones. All right, that message six words. 
Get your butt to Green Bay. Oh. Josh Jones, this is uh, Journal Sentinel had the story. Josh Jones was the number two round draft pick two years ago. He plays safety. He's had trouble make he's he's had trouble getting on the field. He he's 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 kind of one of these hybrid guys who is a, who's a little bit too big to play safety and so they try him in linebacker. He's had trouble getting on the field. They've used him for special teams, but he makes a number of penalties. So the guy's kind of one of these people that are on the bubble. During the off season the Packers signed two other safeties and Jones is apparently hacked off. So he made the decision to skip the OTAs, the organized team activities, in an effort to try to, I guess, show that he was displeased with the Packers or force a trade or whatever. Now, under his contract, he doesn't have to go. I mean, it, they, I mean, they can't. It's and he doesn't have a roster bonus or anything, so it's not like he gets any incentive in going. But I don't know about you, Melissa. If I was starting out in a career, I'd been in the career for two years. I was struggling to make the team and get playing time. And by the way, this is pro football where I know the number of people who want to play it are exponential and the number of people who have the chance to play it are teeny, teeny, tiny. If that was me, my butt would be in Green Bay doing <laughs> well, everything I possibly yeah. could to convince the new coaching staff, hey, give me a chance. That seems very logical. I think any career that you start out in, whether it's football or otherwise, you, you want to be a part of the team no matter what and well, show them that, well, you know. Huh. Well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, personalize this. Okay, mm. let's say you're starting your radio career, and you, you've been doing it for a year or two, and you're off to an kind of a so-so start, and all of a sudden, new management comes in, and they're doing all these different types of things, and, and they can't force you to come in and attend the meeting on the weekend or whatever, but wouldn't you just do everything you possibly could to say, hey, I want to be here, and I'm a team player, and give me a chance. Yeah, I, I know I had trouble. I know I had I maybe you know the ratings were so so or whatever, but old management didn't use me the right way. Mm-hmm. Here I am. Wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't you I, I mean, I would. I think if you are passionate about whatever you're doing, you you want to do it your best and you want to show up. I well, I I have always said that showing up is about eighty <laughs> percent of life. I mean, <laughs> That's it, very true. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's because attitude it, it, and right, showing up. Right. If you don't yeah. show up, so anyhow, Packer safety Josh Jones, who's had a uh, again a very mediocre first two years. His first opportunity to really kind of impress the new coaching staff and the new regime, and he decides he's going to pass that up. Now, again, he's not contractually obligated to do it, but if it were me and you were talking about a football career, and football careers are teeny tiny to begin with. I'd be out there because well, he could be selling insurance, you know, a year from now. No <laughs> knock to anybody who sells insurance, right. but, you know. Well, it's going that extra mile, showing showing them that you're taking that extra step. Although it's not in your contract, right. you, you still want to be there. Right, with the team. Right, yeah. exactly. So if you if you happen to be driving through, like, Jacksonville, Florida a couple of years from now, and you you decide you're going to go to a, a, a used car lot, and you see a guy who looks like Josh Jones, and he happens to be the guy selling those cars, well, maybe you knew it's because he skipped the OTAs. All right. Let us switch gears. About a year ago, there was this really horrible story, and it it came out of Connecticut, and it involved an 18-year-old young man who was over at his friend's house. So he's over at his friend's. Oh, he was he was 15. Okay, this was last year. His name is Ethan Song. He's 15 years old. He's over at a friend's house. And he and the friend decide 
that they're going to go retrieve the friend's dad's gun. So follow me on this one. Kid is over at his friend's house. They're 15 years old. They go to get the gun, the handgun, that the dad had in the house. The dad had the gun in a Tupperware container. In the Tupperware container was the handgun. There were bullets. The gun had a trigger lock on it. But the keys to the trigger lock were in in the Tupperware container. So you've got the gun lock, you've got the bullets, you've got the Tupperware container. So the kid and his friend, they retrieve the Tupperware container, they open it up, they pull out the gun. They take the keys, they take the trigger lock off, and they start futzing around with the gun, and ultimately it goes off and the, 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 the kid dies, you know, shot himself. Now, this has been, you know, and this is now sort of some of the fuel for new laws. And they're now looking at new federal legislation. And much of it is based on a law they have in Massachusetts. And the law in Massachusetts says that anyone who owns a handgun, anyone who owns a handgun has to keep that gun locked when not in use, and that is regardless of who lives with the owner. In addition, the lock, if let's say you use a trigger lock, for example, right? so you've got one of those trigger lock things, the keys to the lock that's on the gun has to be in a separate place. It has to be stored separately from you know where the firearm is so theoretically that this couldn't happen you couldn't open up the tupperware container and find the gun and have the keys with it the keys have to be somewhere else the only exception to this would essentially be if the owner is carrying the firearm or if it is in immediate access to the owner so theoretically theoretically you could not have a handgun in your drawer um, that that did not have the trigger lock on it. You'd have to have the trigger lock or you'd have to have the gun in a gun safe. And if you had the handgun with the trigger lock in the nightstand drawer next to you, the keys would have to be elsewhere. Now, you might say, well, wait a second, Jeff. I mean, what, a lot of people have these handguns for, for self-defense, and they want them to be close. They want to have easy access to them. Well, the people that are behind these laws say, eh, nah, that's not as important as preventing kids from getting access to firearms. And what they say is the number of kids, the number of kids who find these guns and then end up using them for a bad purpose outweighs the number of people who use them when their house gets broken into. So, all right, we're, we're not going to give you access. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, do we need to toughen the laws? If if you have a handgun in the house, should the law require you that it either be locked in a gun safe or have a trigger lock on it? Does it matter if you have kids in the house or if you are a retiree and there's never kids that come over? 
Or what about well, a situation that, for example, describes mine? So my, my house, it's just my wife and I, but from time to time, you know, my nephew will come over, my grandchildren will come over. Should the law require me to lock up my handgun, have a trigger lock on it, have the keys separated somewhere on the off chance that, okay, one of, one of the kids might come over and be playing somewhere where they're not supposed to be playing and find the gun. 414-799-1620. Look, obviously, I think responsible gun owners are, are going to take, a pro- should take appropriate measures to try to keep firearms out of the hands of, of children. There's no question about it. And if somebody ends up being negligent, you leave the gun out on a table or something, I'm all in favor of criminal prosecution. But what about these gun storage laws? Does that go too far? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Adam in Brookfield. Adam, you're first. Hello. Yeah, to my summary first, I think that law, that that thing they want to pass is just a way to circumvent uh, gun owners' rights in the Second Amendment. My late father was a Milwaukee copper, and he didn't have a trigger lock. He kept his thirty-eight in the sock drawer in their bedroom, and I was 9 or 10. I remember he looked at me and he said, we're going out. If you touch the gun, I'll break your hand. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, no, no. I, don't, I believe you, Adam. Yeah. And, and I, I saw it there. I even opened the drawer, and I saw it sitting there next to his black socks, and I never touched it out of fear that my dad would half kill me. And, and trigger locks circumvent the Second Amendment because you got them in the house for protection. Right, right. And, and of course, now this law carries it a step further because the keys of the trigger lock, in, in the case I was telling you about, the gun did have a trigger lock on it, but the keys were by the trigger lock. So they said, right. okay, that's not good enough. I mean, it, you know, at some point in time where there's a will, there's a way. You know, if, right. if you have kids that know that, for example, you've got a handgun in the house and they decide they want to play with it. Well, if they know where the gun is, my guess is they're going to know where the, the keys are unless you're carrying the keys on your person. Yeah, I think it's bad parenting if the parent has a gun and they don't teach the kids responsibility. And again, I was like eight or nine and my, man, my dad would have killed me. You, yeah, you myself. right. No, no. Thanks for the call. You know, it's interesting. I hope my wife doesn't mind me telling the story. Her dad was an FBI agent, and you know, all we've, we've talked about this. There was always there were always firearms around the house, and they knew where the firearm was. But the rule was, okay, you 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 don't go. You know, you don't go into that drawer. Period. And and nobody nobody ended up doing that. Let's talk to John in Milwaukee. John, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I agree with the last caller. Basically, I think the government shouldn't be regulating what goes on in people's households. Um, you know, a responsible person is going to try and take steps to make sure that children don't have access to their gun. And like you were just saying, I mean, as a kid, I was 10 years old when I had my first rifle. And my mom and parents grew up with kids all or guns all the time, and nobody had a trigger lock on anything, and nobody, you know, right. would would go and touch the gun you were taught respect for the gun when i was like five before i really knew what a gun was i knew that a gun was very dangerous and not to go anywhere near my dad's closet yeah no i no i mean thanks for call i mean i i see i guess i agree and i mean i think it's i mean for example in massachusetts it by the way it doesn't matter whether there's ever children in the house or not 
I mean, it, 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 it's in some states what they're looking at is they're saying, okay, well, if there's somebody under the age of 16 that lives there, we'll impose it. In some other, in Massachusetts, though, it, it's, it is a requirement. So, okay, it, it's you and your wife, and you're 55 years old. Um, yeah, the law would say you have to have the trigger lock. You have to keep the gun in the case, despite the fact that you know no children are ever over there. At some point in time, do these go too far? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing gun owners should be irresponsible. Of course should be irresp- they should be responsible and figure things out but at the same time i don't know the idea if you if you if you have for whatever reason you've got a handgun in your nightstand because of the area where you live or whatever and you want to use it for self defense the idea that you got to have a trigger lock on that and then the keys have to be somewhere separate from the trigger lock so it's 3 in the morning you've got the home invader and you're going okay all right i've got the gun i can defend myself they're banging on the door where did i put the key I mean, give me a break. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Carmen in Green Bay. Carmen, hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? Uh, I got to tell you something. My producer says... There's a there's a Carmen on online whatever and, it, and it's a guy. I said, of course it's a guy. You know, he said, I've never met a Carmen that has a guy's name. And I said, no, no, no. Well, it's, if, yeah. if you ever went to one of my family reunions and said, hey, Carmen, about forty of us are going to go. What do you want? Right, right. It's um, it's a popular Italian name, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I told him. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> go go ahead. Anyway, like your other callers, yeah, this is complete government overreach. But no one seems to be asking the salient question. How are they going to enforce this? Yeah. What, is someone going to come to your door and knock on your door and go, oh, I need to come in and see if your guns are locked up? I don't uh, think so. Right, or get a search warrant here. We, yeah. we, we had an informant that went in and said that you're, uh, that they saw a handgun that was in your nightstand but wasn't there, well, you know, wasn't didn't have a trigger lock on it. Yeah, it's right. I mean, like everybody else, my grandkids come over, and I have several weapons now, and all the when kids come over, they get locked up. Right. But I travel a lot. My wife is home alone a lot. So that handgun sits on the nightstand. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, and that's not and, searching for keys and whatnot. Well, right, so. and that's right, and that and that's right. That's not going to change. Yeah, three in the morning, somebody breaks into your house. It's kind of like, all right, it, it's all you can think of to grab the gun. Not, oh, I got to get this thing unlocked. Where did I put the keys? You know, or whatever. Right. And she shouldn't have to do that. Right. No, I, I don't know how they would even enforce this. It would it's just. Right. It would, no, thanks. Well, no. I mean, what, what you what you would enforce it would be again. We would be criminalizing an entire class of firearms owners, and and this this would be it. That, um, you know, that uh, Gru comes over to you know. Grew comes that we're both 16 years old. He comes over to my house and he sees, you know, my dad has that firearm in the nightstand or whatever, and then goes and tells his mom, and his mom calls the police, and they get the search warrant, and then they come in. I mean, you're, you're talking about criminalizing an entire class of legitimate firearm owners. And you know, don't listen to the segment and think that I'm 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 poo-pooing gun safety. I I'm not. Do I think you know? Is it a huge problem that you have kids? that get access to guns, start playing with the guns and shoot themselves or perhaps shoot others? Absolutely. That that is but it, that that starts with responsible firearms owners and that is 99.99% of the people that own guns who are smart enough to recognize if I've got kids in the house I, I want to keep the guns out of reach of the kids, or I want to make sure that bad things can't happen, or I want to make sure that my kids understand that these are dangerous weapons. They're not play toys. Just saying. 
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I, I don't think I've. To- I'm not sure I've ever told this story before. The um, when when my parents moved out of their house, it, 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 there wasn't much stuff that that I wanted. You know, we've talked about this before. It's kind of like, all right, they, they had all this stuff, and I, I'm not that sentimental. But one of the things that I wanted was when my grandfather, my grandfather retired. This would have been, gosh, probably like 1959. They didn't give him a gold watch. They gave him this 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 gold clock and when i say gold i didn't realize that it was not just a gold plated clock it was a gold clock all right and and i wanted i wanted my grandfather's clock it wasn't a grandfather clock it was you know it's a desk clock and and i wanted it and it didn't work and one of the things that um, my wife did as a present to me she went out and she found a a clock maker that could fix this particular clock and, and make it work and it wasn't it wasn't easy because first of all there's not that many clock makers that are around anymore and that, that work on the, these older sort of clocks and secondly it's tough to get the parts and third it was it was sort of expensive until we found out how much the clock was worth and then it was just it was like okay we're, we're gonna we're gonna have it done but so so now we've got this thing and it's working and all but it was it was just so cool and I I, I just love I love clocks, and I, I love going to these stores, and you see the old fancy grandfather clocks and things like that. I was thinking of this because over the years, the Little Swiss Clock Shop has been an advertiser on WTMJ. They were a big advertiser um, for Gordon Hinckley, you know, when Gordon Hinckley was doing a show a number of years ago. But from time to time, even after, you know, Gordon retired, they would, uh, the, the folks, it was a very, very nice lady, very, very nice lady that ran, runs this. And uh, the Little Swiss Clock Shop, which has been based in Waukesha, they would advertise on some of our programs, including mine, you know, o- over the years. I bring this up because there's a story in the Journal Sentinel Talking about how this business, the Little Swiss Clock Shop, which has been a Waukesha mainstay for, you know, um, the past 51 years. And for the last 41 years, it's been in their current site on Main Street. And if you've ever been into the store, it just blows you away. There's grandfather clocks. There's go, my gosh, it's, it's just, it's a really, really cool store. And what, what's happened is the, the lady who owns it has decided that, well, she's, she is past retirement age and it's just, it's just time to move on as happens. And so she says the business is still good and they have a good thriving repair business and, um, people, are still interested, maybe not to the extent that they were, but you know, she get as more and more clock st- stores have closed over the years. You know, she has people reaching out from other states that are interested in quality grandfather clocks and things or whatever. But in any event, she's decided that you know it's time to to move on and, and to do something differently. So she's closing the store, and I think the closing thing starts. Uh, they they anticipate that they're. I mean, going to be probably closed by mid-June, although they'll stay open long enough to handle you know, repair work that they have. But, but this store has been an institution in downtown Waukesha for the last 50 years. 50 years. Think about it. And, and I, I was sitting there thinking that, you know, it's even if you didn't go into the store every week, it's going to be something. It's a store that's been part of the community 
and now it's it's going to be gone. And there's no there's no fault there. It's it's just it's kind of this reality. Businesses open, businesses close, but they're a vital part of the community. Sometimes it's like what happened here. You get the owner um, in this case who just decides, okay, it's it's time to retire and they move on. Sometimes you know the business goes downhill. That's not what happened in this case. But you know you you can't make a go of it. Sometimes you know a taste change. We've talked about this with things like blockbuster video and all. You know it, it's. Is it possible, I guess, to run like a C- a DVD rental business? Well, yeah, but it's not like it was 20 years ago. But the little Swiss clock shop's going to be closing. And I thought, huh, I bet you there's a lot of people that are going to miss that, which prompted me to, you know, want to stop talking about some of the heavy issues of the day, at least for this segment. I want to have a little fun. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I call the segment Gone But Not Forgotten. A business that used to be around here that you really miss, something that maybe it was just kind of a part of the community, maybe you knew the owners, maybe it was a place that you went to all the time and just got absolutely great service, maybe it was some place that you just kind of used to hang out at all the time, maybe it's that bookstore that's gotten swallowed up by the Internet or whatever, but gone but not forgotten in kind of recognition of the the soon-to-be closing for the Little Swiss Clock Shop. Now, some business around the area that you just used to love, you wish it was still here, it's gone, but it's not forgotten. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. A number of people are mentioning restaurants, and, and that's fine, but I, I don't want to confine this just to restaurants. I, it's, I Also, it's kind of businesses. Let, let me give you an example of a business that I miss. Remember Daly's Pen Shop? It used to be, for, for decades and decades and decades, it was in planking. It was in... Um, kind of the Grand Avenue area, and they held out. It was in the Plankington building, and, and they sold fancy pens, you know, the stuff that you would – well, back in the day, you, you would go and you'd, you'd give – you'd go and you'd buy an expensive pen, and you'd give it to somebody for high school graduation or college graduation. There were – I went through this phase in my life where I used to love fountain pens. I just I – I don't know why. I used to love them. But, you know, I mean, Daly's Pen Store, that was the place, and they were in, the they were in again, Grand Avenue for years and years. They really held out there were one of the last commercial stores that held out in, in Grand Avenue in the Plankington building and then I think they they moved to somewhere in West Dallas or something and then ultimately they folded but I, I just I miss Daly's pens I, I love that 414-799-1620 Tom in Hartford Tom you're first hello oh hi hi Jeff I'm talking about uh, clocks I bought right. I purchased the clock there in uh, 1991 in fact it was a Christmas present I bought for my wife and that and uh, it's 30 years old, and last year I had it overhauled, but it wasn't from them because they're a little far now. I'm in Hartford, and there's a place in Merton that I had it done. Right, but you, you, I mean, that, what a cool store that that, what, and there's, you know, there's really not that many clock stores around. There's not that many places to go to, to have an overhaul or to have, in my case, a, a 60-year-old clock fixed. You know, there's not that many people to do that anymore. No, and that's for sure. And uh, it's just ex- it was excellent when I bought it there, like I say, thirty years ago. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Thank, thanks. For, I think. I mean, again, it's and, and it's it's just it's it's part of this reality. It's just kind of like the the high end pen store, like like Daly's. It's like all right, the, the market changes, and you get to a certain point where 
there's just not you've got the internet that's out there and there's not that many people buying expensive high-end pens anymore at least not enough to you know support a a business and it's unfortunate let's talk to vincent on the northwest side hi vincent Uh, good afternoon jeff i was going to say panels and base oh yeah i used to love we used to go there for new year's eve i love that oh it was fantastic the service was great uh their buffet was great their sunday brunch was out of sight uh it was great and uh and uh, my mother-in-law, who passed away several years ago, said that that was her place. Right. <laughs> if she wanted to go out for uh, for a celebration, that was that. But if you want a business, uh, uh, a radio doctors. Oh yeah, the record store downtown. Yeah. Yes, that 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 was my place back in, back oh. in the day. Well, it, yeah, you know, it's funny. It was it it you know it it was for me too. I I can remember on Saturdays we'd. I grew up in Glendale. We take the bus downtown, and we kind of like wander around, you know, Wisconsin Avenue when there was stuff to really shop at at Wisconsin Avenue. And we'd always end up at that that Radio Doctors a couple blocks to the north there. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. They're, 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 you could you could stay in there almost all day looking at their albums from yeah from, and, and stuff like that. But right. well, I you remember at the same time. I I was also there was the Schwartz bookstores where they had you know like all the used books. There was this one on Wisconsin Avenue. I could kill three hours just wandering around, and they'd have these like used paperbacks that they'd sell for a quarter a piece yeah, or I something. I I yeah no thank that that Radio Doctors is is a great one. Um, you had eighteen twelve Overture, which was one of the other sort of record stores. I mean, we don't you don't have record stores anymore. It's something that's gone out of business. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Dave on the um, Dave in Wauwatosa. Dave, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks for calling. Um, I miss for you know the current generation and younger. Uh, I missed uh, Johnson's Go Kart Track and Miniature oh. Golf. I think it was batting cages mm-hmm. on North Seventy Fifth Street. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting. I was, I have a very dear friend who used to run a restaurant um, about a quarter mile to the north of that on Seventy Sixth Street called Allegretti's, which was uh, an Italian restaurant. And you know, we were just talking the other day about how you know people loved the Allegretti's food, but that whole area, you know, starting from like that Johnson's Park where you had the, the giant slide and you had the batting cages and the go-karts and the arcade and stuff. I, I spent many a, many a misbegotten summer nights uh, at starting out at that place. My big question now is where is that dinosaur now? Because as of a few years ago, the dinosaur was still there. Yeah. It's not there anymore. Right. No, th- backyard. Yeah, no, thanks for calling. And, you know, in that area kind of went through some changes because you had that, that all closed. And then you had movie theaters, Marcus movie theaters that were just to the north of that. And, and that all closed. But, you know, that, that, that area, 76, just north of Good Hope, between like Good Hope and uh, Brown Deer, you know, that was a thriving area at, at one point in time for, again, kids of my age, 414-799-1620. Okay, a number of people, a number of people are, are nominating uh, Goldman's. And I, I, get, I have to mention this because my, my late wife, her first, her first job was at Goldman. She was a Southside girl and her, her first job was working, working at Goldman's. And they had, you know, if you hadn't, if you weren't familiar with Goldman's, Goldman's, if, if you couldn't find it at Goldman's, you didn't need it. That was just the, the reality. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Renata in New Berlin. Hello. Hi. Um, I, I mentioned Sago's Japanese Steakhouse, sure. but I have, a, I have a great store that I miss. It was Woolworths. Oh, the, oh, sure, the old, the old Woolworth stores, right? The, the old fashioned five and dime stores, yeah. 
ages me a little. Mm. But they had everything, you know, just like Goldman's. Like, if you couldn't find it somewhere else, you could find it at Woolworth's, you know. And then remember there was Woolworth's. Didn't you remember, like, Drew's Variety Stores? Remember they had those all over this area, too, the Drew's? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, same. Yes. Right. And thanks, you guys. I mean, the same the, the same sort of stuff. Now, I mean, I understand the times end up changing. number of people on our text line are mentioning um, drive-in movies, 41 Twin Outdoor Theater. Uh, yeah, th- those would be things. Peaches Record Store. Yeah, rec- I mean, this – and I understand if you are below a certain age, you're listening to me and saying, what is this record store thing of which he speaks? But But here's – it used to be they were actual records, and they were on vinyl, and what you would do is you would go into the record store, and they'd have these bins, and you could just, they'd be alphabetized, and you'd sift through them and see, okay, you know, what Beatles records are there, or, or whatever, because there wasn't this internet where you could just go to Amazon and automatically say, I'm going to order seven or eight. You'd have to find out, okay, what does the record store have? And then if they didn't have one that you wanted, you'd have to go to them, and they'd have to order it, and then maybe two weeks later, you go back and get it. It was a completely different world. There were some of these record stores where you could even take the records and they'd go into these booths and you could sample them. You could listen to them before you even purchased them. How's that? <laughs> How's that? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Joe and Raymond. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. So I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember the name of the store. <laughs> okay. It was on the northwest corner of 3rd and State, and it sold men's men's accessories gloves they had a big sign gloves to to burn and some huh. don't huh, uh, huh. I don't remember I, I i was in law enforcement and i was a detective at the back in the day right. was in my area and i remember stopping there one time and a lemo pulls up and red skeleton gets out here <laughs> and big buddies with the people that own this place okay um but uh, yeah, they, I think they had the same ending as the clock store. They older and right. nobody wanted to sell hats and gloves and scarves. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to. Pay, I, I mean, I can picture the area. I'm kind of drawing a blank. But thank, thanks on the name of it. But I mean, I mean, I'll give you. I'll give you a men's store that I, I miss, and it's, it's it just closed a couple years ago. But. Roger Stevens. I used to back in the day. Now, now I wear blue jeans and sweaters and stuff to to work. But I mean, back in the day when I had to dress like a lawyer and things like that. I mean, I I believe in buying nice clothing because I, I don't I, cheap clothing to me never fits right, doesn't last, etc. I used to love going into Roger Stevens, and that was of course the kind of a high end men's store in the Fister Hotel, and it was the same sort of thing. They had a great run and a successful run, but you know, as a general rule. People don't dress up now like they used to. Everything is much more casual. So, I mean, they, they ended up closing. And I, I was just telling somebody the other day about how I miss Roger Stevens. And there's a lot of nice men's stores that are out there. But that was kind of my go-to place. We'll be back with a couple more calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Let me sneak a couple more calls in before the top of the hour. Cal in West Dallas. Cal, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Yes, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, thinking about the uh, old Moon Fun Shop in Southgate. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, and there was one. I thought I the one I always went to was the one downtown that was on Wisconsin Avenue. But oh, yeah, sure. the Moon Fun Shop. Yeah, with with all, all sorts of gags, and the one downtown was kind of what we would call a head shop <laughs> as well back yeah, in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. posters, everything else that you wanted there. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. The Moon Fun Shop right across the street on Wisconsin Avenue. There was the Army Navy store that that I think that just closed in the last year or two, where you could go in and you you could buy uh, again any sort of weird thing. It was it was there. Let's talk to Marie in East Troy. Hi Marie, thanks for waiting. 
Hi, I miss Lucille's Dueling Pianos. Okay. Oh, you could go in, and it was phenomenal. The, the two piano players. Um, it was a huge, like, destination. Bachelorette parties, birthday parties. But it, it was like an institution, and they closed suddenly a couple years ago. And Right. Um, it, it was just phenomenal, and I, I was surprised nobody else mentioned it. Well, no, but it's but I no I thanks. I mean, I I remember that as well, and it was great entertainment, no question about it. Gordy in Cedarburg, Gordy, you're in WTMJ. Yes, Jeff, how are you doing today? I am well, thank you, sir. Okay, place that you miss, gone but not uh, forgotten. Port Silver Diner on Port oh. Road. Oh yes, 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 and then right across, which was—I mean—it really was one of those kind of old-style diners. Um, my my parents would take me there when I was younger, and then, of course, across the street you had the Mark's Big Boy too. I was going to mention that also, <laughs> and uh, you had the Hot Rod Shop down on Third and Walnut. When I was 16 years old, 60 years ago. <laughs> well, I let's. I mean, I, the Port Silver Diner, which was one of these old style diners, and then then that big boy across the street. Many, many a misbegotten night ended up ended up for young Mister Wagner in that that big boy. And then, um, yeah, it's um, huh. I, I I learned I learned the hard way that those those big boy hamburgers, which I still miss to this day, they go with almost anything except one or two things and i found out the hard way about that maybe we'll share those stories at some point in time okay that that was a fun segment i'm sorry gm phone lines we, we got some other stuff i want to talk about in the two o'clock hour but it, it really i got me thinking about with the news at the little swiss clock shop closing um they've been a great friend of the station for decades and decades like i said they used to advertise with gordon hinckley and later on with us and i i understand that these businesses you know you think these businesses are going to be there forever and sometimes well forever yeah forever comes to a conclusion sooner than you might think. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. I'm about to give you an example of why I love the strength and the beauty of local radio. Because... Yeah, the, the national hosts, they might do stuff well, but they can't do this. Now, we had that last segment. We were talking about stuff that was gone but not forgotten. We had the retired police officer who called up and said there was a place. It was like a hat and glove store on 3rd on and State, and I just I can't remember the name of it. And I, I was drawing a blank as well. Well, several of you have the answer. Um, it was called the Jack Donge's Glove and or Hat Store. That was what that was. All right, then we had the other caller who was talking about uh, Johnson Johnson Park and the dinosaur. Now, i, I got to back into this because the way, the way this worked is on, on 76th and Good Hope Road, for uh, there was, it, it was, there was a giant, it was called Johnson Park, you know, skating or, or whatever. Um, it was Johnson Park. And what they did is they had, they had a batting cage, they had a go-kart track, Johnson's Park. They had a um, the giant slide. They had an arcade. They had bumper cars, mini golf, and it was an institution. I mean, it was there, and you're talking about somebody who, you know, grew up here in the late 60s and the 70s and, you know, the 80s and all. And, and it, was, it was a big go-to place if you were a kid growing up. In the north side of Milwaukee, you know, you, you undoubtedly you went to Johnson's Park, and it it was there from the late '60s, and it kind of closed in in the late 1990s, I think, when the the neighborhood sort of changed a little bit and anything. But it, wonderful memories. But at Johnson's Park, 
Stick with me. They had a a 16-foot-tall green dinosaur that kind of like looked out over the rest of the park. And that's what the the caller was talking to. The caller was saying, I I wonder what happened to the dinosaur. Well, I figured out. I know what happened to the dinosaur. The park closed in, like I say, the late 1990s. And most of the stuff got taken away. But the dinosaur stayed there. So you could, you know, you could drive by there and you would see the dinosaur there for year after year after year. What happened was the person that owned the property ended up uh, falling, just didn't pay property taxes. And ultimately, the city took it over. So the city of Milwaukee owned it, owned the, the property. And what they did is they ended up auctioning off the dinosaur. So the 16 foot dinosaur was sold at auction. Journal Sentinel had a story about this two years ago. Guy in Sockville paid $11 at an auction for this 16-foot dinosaur. And he, at least as of the last part of, of the story, it, it's he's got this five-acre place up in Sockville, and he, his plans were to restore this 16-foot dinosaur, which apparently is now in a couple pieces, and, um, you know, Put it up on his five-acre property, to which I say, I love this guy. Now, I, I, this is two years ago. I, I, I hope he got it done. I, I do hope he got it done because you know it's this has the, this appeal to me. Um, they say that you know some of the stuff as they were moving it got it became disconnected, but the idea is to spend some dough and to restore this so it put it stands in somebody's backyard. And I am 100% behind that. Now, I've told this story before. If you've heard it, please bear with me. But I, I can I can relate because we were talking during that segment about, like, the Mark's big boy that they used to have. You know, and if you grew up around here, again, there was the, the Mark's Corporation, the Marcus Corporation. They owned, they had the franchise around here for all the big boy restaurants. So they were Mark's big boy restaurants around here. They were different things in, in different states. But, you know, outside of all those big boys, you used to have the, the giant ceramic big boys where you'd have the big boy and he, he'd be holding like the big boy sandwich and stuff. Well, all right. I, I've always been fascinated by that to the point that I now have. Uh, as a matter of fact, a, a couple of you have given me the gifts and my, my wife found one on eBay, too. I, I, all around our house, I've got these like big boy bobbleheads. There's one on my desk. There's one there. But I, I went out and I bought a big boy, a, a big boy. I, I saw on eBay a giant ceramic big boy. It was like eight foot tall and they were asking a couple grand for it, and I wanted to buy it because I wanted to put it in the yard in my house in Whitefish Bay. And my late wife, she said she almost never said no to me about anything, but when I told her that I wanted to put it in the garden in Whitefish Bay and I wanted to uplight it, well, then I got that look that all you ladies get from – that all you ladies give to your – you know, husbands, that look that you learn from your mothers, that look that says, I married a moron. I, I got that look. So I never got the, the giant eight-foot-tall ceramic one, but but at least somebody got the 16-foot dinosaur. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we hope to be joined by John McCure, who is up in Toronto. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> So very glad to have you with us. Well, 
All right, lots of big sports stuff going on this evening. The Brewers start an abbreviated homestand at Miller Park tonight. They play the Cincinnati Reds. And then, of course, the big game in the NBA tonight at 7.30 our time. It's game four in the series between the Bucks and the Toronto Rafters. The Bucks lead 2-1. to one. Everybody knows they lost Sunday night in double overtime. A lot of us think that uh, that was kind of Toronto's last hurrah, but you, you just never know. That's why they play the games. Well, okay, I'm talking about it here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but up on the mean streets of Toronto, we have our very own John McCure. John, hello. <laughs> hey, Jeff. I wish it was the mean streets of Toronto. Part of the problem is these people are so darn nice that it's hard to get fired up and get angry with them. <laughs> so you are so nice everywhere you go. Well, I mean, there's things you can do. I mean, again, like insult their beer or something. You know, maybe you'll get into a fight that way. You know, <laughs> I did try. I yeah. tried a couple things to, to get under their skin, and they're just really not having it. I'll tell you one thing, Jeff. They are very nervous. There's a very nervous energy here today. You know, one guy probably summed it up when he said to me, it's a lot like if we don't win this game, it doesn't matter that we won three. Yeah. They feel like they're right back where they are, and from a math standpoint, they really are. I, you know, John, you, you mentioned something yesterday, um, I think when we were talking, and, and also during a couple other segments. I mean, Toronto, to your sense, it's really not a, a basketball town. It's more like a hockey town and more like a baseball town, huh? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that, Jeff. That's the perfect way to sum it up. It's uh even now, so yesterday was an off day from the basketball series, and the Blue Jays were in town. I walked around, and even away from the Blue Jays stadium area, all you see is Blue Jays gear. And I even saw, believe it or not, some Maple Leafs gear. And I saw, I could count on one hand, the number of people wearing Raptors gear. Now, you juxtapose that with what's happening in Milwaukee right now, where if you are out and about, you see Bucks yeah. hats, you see Bucks quarter zips, you see the Bucks gear. And the funny thing about the whole hockey thing is that they are diehard hockey here. And Jeff, they have not won the Stanley Cup in more than 50 years. Yeah. But they're hockey. Does there appear to be, uh, I mean, of course, you know, what do fans know? But does there appear to be sort of a, a foregone conclusion that maybe the Bucks are going to win, that, that the Bucks are better than Toronto? Do you kind of get that sense? You know, I definitely got that sense when we arrived here. But there is a little bit of a renewed confidence now because of what happened. I, I, I think when you talk to people who really know basketball, including a beat writer for Toronto who I spoke to earlier today, he said the Bucks are clearly the better team, the Bucks have more depth, the Bucks have more firepower, and that the Bucks would be the hands-on favorite to win it all unless the Raptors have a little bit of luck and fortune on their side. But right. for the average fan, I think they, to be honest with you, feel really a little bit renewed because of what happened the other night. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the city. I mean, I've, I've always thought that Toronto is one of the great cities in North America. What's been your reaction to kicking around Toronto? Jeff, this is a great city. It's a beautiful city. It's a clean city. There are fresh flowers everywhere. There's not trash anywhere. The people are nice. The buildings are shiny. Public transportation is really nice, and it's well-used. Uh, they have all the arts. I walked through the theater district last night. Uh, there is the uh, second most live theater here of anywhere in North America, only behind New York. It's a city of several, several, several million people. I mean, only New York and Mexico City and North America are bigger. It's a clean city. It's a fun city. And their lakefront reminds me a lot of Milwaukee, what they've done with the green space, with the music space. It's a beautiful city. 
Mm-hmm. I just hope we don't have to come back here again until <laughs> vacation time down the road. That's right. So you would um, you would unhesitatingly recommend it as a place for somebody who's looking for some place to go that wants kind of that urban experience. You you like you 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 are impressed with the city. I absolutely would, Jeff. As a matter of fact, I've I've kind of added to my list now places to come back with my wife. I think Michelle and I could have a great long weekend here. I think there's a lot to do. There's very good restaurants. Here's yeah. a strange story, though. So the restaurants are very good as far as food goes, but we've eaten in two nice restaurants and then a lot of room service. And in the two nice restaurants, the food was excellent in both places, and the service was terrible. I mean, just so terrible that in both places they put a credit on our bill and didn't make us pay for stuff. And I can't figure out if that's because they know we're from Milwaukee <laughs> or if it's because they're just so laid back and nice that it doesn't matter. Right. The um, the other thing is you've got the exchange rate. So did you have to change money? Yeah. yeah. I did. I exchanged a little bit at the airport. You know, the exchange rate right now is very favorable to Americans. Right. Uh, 130 Canadian is just $1 U.S. So the exchange rate is very favorable. And uh, one guy I talked to was actually talking about how he hopes the Canadian economy and Canadian leaders can figure out how to do what we're doing in America because our economy is doing a little better than them right now. And the dollar goes a long way up here. You can buy a lot of poutine in U.S. dollars. <laughs> well, you know, the reason I ask that is I was in Toronto a number of years ago with my brother, and we we went to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It, it's a it's a it's a national chain of high end mm-hmm. high end restaurants. I I love it. They've got one in downtown Toronto, and we went there. And when I was there, it was the same deal with the exchange rate, and it was one of the best meals I've had, and it was one of the cheapest meals I've had because by the time yeah. you took advantage of the yeah. exchange rate, it's like hey, they're practically giving. You the food you know you're right about that so as a matter of fact the first meal we had i got the meal and the dollar amount was on there and i thought wow that's not really cheap and then a lot of the restaurants they will then convert it to u.s and you go whoa i just got a major discount what what is going on here yeah give me a doggy bag give me a doggy bag i'm expensing this back to the company yeah <laughs> right, right. I'm going to stay for an after-dinner drink. It's, that's uh, it. it's, an, it's an amazing city, and it's a fun city. That's it. Now, John, you're scheduled to fly back tomorrow, right? Yes, I will fly back early tomorrow in time to be back there on the ground to do Wisconsin's afternoon news from Milwaukee tomorrow. And then we'll be down at the Deer District again on Thursday. So, And if they uh, go to six games, I will get back on the plane on Friday, and I will fly here Friday morning in time to do the show from here oh. on Friday afternoon. Okay. So let's well, cross our fingers that, that they get it done in five. Yeah, well, okay. R- root them home to victory tonight. No international incidents coming back tomorrow, and we'll see you, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you tomorrow afternoon after the Brewers game, okay? Let's make a little deal here. If I run into some snafu, international incident, customs issue, would you do the show? Sure, absolutely. For you, abs- I, had to, I had to think of, but but you will. Hey, okay. This this is now. We, we were talking about this beforehand. Did did you you didn't have you you had you your new passport? It had a different number than your old passport, right? Yeah. So this is okay. a great question. Okay. So I didn't bring my passport to work the day that I needed to check in for my flight. So I went to check in for the flight online, and my wife said, well, here's your passport number, and she gave it to me, but she had it stored in her phone, and it was my old passport number, and Jeff, you're right, it is a different number from my new passport. So I checked in, and then I was telling you I was kind of worried because I entered the wrong information, but I got to the airport, and I got to the counter, and I said, hey, I accidentally entered the wrong information online, and the lady said, ah, we don't really check that. <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. Number was 
the right amount of digits, you're good to go. So it kind of left me uneasy but relieved at the same time. Absolutely. John McCure, Root Home of Victory. We'll see you tomorrow, my friend. Go Bucks. Thank go you. Bucks. Okay, thanks. No, it, that was that, that's like a behind-the-scenes thing. It was like last week, it was earlier this week, and John, John and I are pod pals. We sit next to each other, and he's like, huh. Do you know, I, I, when you get a new passport or you, or you renew your passport, you know, your passport expires and you send it in, he said, it's the same number, is it? I said, no, actually, it's not. I, I'm pretty sure it's not because I just had to do that. My old passport was expiring and we're going to do the river cruise, you know, coming up in September. And I, I just had to get another passport. And I said, I'm, I'm almost positive. It's a different number. And then we just kind of had that conversation. I said, but nobody's probably going to be checking on that anyway. So, um, in any event, I have no doubt that John McCure is going to bring home a victory tonight, and we'll be back in time to do the show tomorrow. But, yeah, I'm I'm actually preempted because of a Brewers game. But if he can't make it back, I would be delighted to host Wisconsin's Afternoon News. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, in 1980s, we had a war on drugs. I think it is the time to declare a new legal war on robocallers. Now, there's two reason I, I two reasons I, I bring this up. I have a um, I have a a friend. I don't want to get too specific about this, but I have a friend who has some very very serious health problems, and she calls up the other day and you know, she she she's got a lot of serious health problems. The last thing she needs is is any anybody trying to take advantage of her or whatever and so what happens is she gets one of these kind of threatening robocalls and i'm paraphrasing but the call says your social security number has been stolen and this is going to put your health insurance benefits in jeopardy it's going to put your social security benefits in jeopardy it's going to cause you all these problems okay and so now this is this is my friend who's I mean, dealing a little bit older and dealing with some very serious health things. But, I mean, it's this really threatening thing. Your Social Security number has been, and you've got to call this number right away. And, you know, we'll we'll sort it out for you. But if you don't, you're going to lose your Medicare benefits. You're going to lose all this stuff. Now, of course, it's clearly and totally a scam. But this person I'm talking about, she kind of gets up, understandably, gets upset, freaks out, doesn't exactly know what to do. And thankfully, she calls my wife. And my wife first thing says, this is a scam. Don't call this number back. And then you get the, but what, what, what if this is true? And what if I'm going to lose my Medicare? And I need my medical treatment, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, it's, and it's all these things. And then you spend the next 20 minutes just trying to say, no, just calm down. This is a scam. Don't go anywhere near this. Don't call this back, et cetera. But you know what? It is apparent to me that there are, Obviously, some people who do panic and do call that number back and then their Social Security number probably really does get stolen because my guess is you call the thing back and they'll say, okay, well, um, what's what is your Social Security number? You know, so we can check it out. And and once you do that, it's off to the races. So I as I'm listening to this whole thing play out, I admit I'm getting more and more angry. And that's the word. I'm getting angry. I'm thinking, you know, there are people out there that are taking advantage of this uh, of the person I know, my friend, and are trying to take advantage. And I'm sure they are taking advantage of all sorts of other people. Channel four is doing the special right now on robocalls. They estimate that in April alone, almost 20 million robocalls were made in Milwaukee. Now, not all of them are scams. Not all of them are fraudulent. 
but a good portion of them are. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I th- Look, I, I think you want to talk about public enemy number one. I, I think in some respects it is the scammers that are out there trying to take advantage of all of us using these computer-activated systems. I think this has to be a law enforcement priority. Right now, there is legislation pending in front of the FCC which would dramatically increase their ability to fine and shut down the people that operate these robocallers, and I say it can't happen soon enough. 414-799-1620. We're going to take a quick break for the news, and then when we come back, I want to talk about this. I mean, does this need to be a priority Or do we just have to wander around as ducks waiting to be plucked by these scammers that are out there taking advantage of us? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. I I admit, I've been seething about this story. This happened a couple days ago, and I'm just, you know... I just don't think that we need to accept the fact that, you know, there's these scamsters out there that are going to be preying on vulnerable people. They're able to use computers. You make these robocalls, and you, you know that some people might respond to them. And like I say, my, my friend was traumatized when she gets this, oh, my God, somebody's stolen my Social Security number, and they want me to call them back. Don't make that call. Stephen Kenosha says, Jeff, I keep getting that same call for the Social Security number. I mean, it's a real pain in the butt. Let's talk to Becky in Menominee Falls. Hi, Becky. Becky? Hi, this is Becky. Hi, Becky. Go ahead. You're on the air. Oh, I apologize. I work for a major retailer in the area, and we specifically train our cashiers and our managers on questions to ask these people when they come in looking for the prepaid card so they can put $500 on an iTunes card because (laughs) Social Security told them they're social security number was compromised oh so you you actually get this you have people that are actually showing up in the stores wanting to do this absolutely Mm. and we probably get one a day and we probably stop every single one of them because our employees are trained very well on asking specific questions because it is such a known problem in the area well you know what that tells you well what it tells us is that if 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 you're catching if you're having a person a day come in. Can you imagine how many people are, are coming in or doing this, getting them stuff on the prepaid cards or whatever? And there's not somebody that's stopping them. They're just, you know, taking that money and they're gonna, they're just gonna give it away and they're gonna be out that out that dough. Th- th- this whole thing infuriates me, Becky. It just does. It is because then you get that person who doesn't tell you what the money's for because they don't want and they're embarrassed by the whole situation. And then 20 minutes later, they come back and they're like, "Oh, it was a scam." Well, once you buy it. We can't do anything about it. Right. You know, we try our best. You know, there are those instances. Gas stations are great and notorious for selling people these. So. Right. No. Well, again, it, it's by, I mean, thanks. For, it's beware. But see, the bigger point is, and this is kind of where I was leading with this there again, we, we've been earlier on the show. I was talking about this bipartisan effort that's out there, maybe to, to take care of a, of a flaw in the health care law that I support. There's something also out there. It's called the telephone robocall. Abuse, Criminal Enforcement, and Deterrent Act. They call it TRACED. And what it would do is strengthen the FCC and other regulators' ability to go after these illegal robocallers. More than 5 billion robocalls were placed in October. 
Now, that's not just in Milwaukee, but that's all over. That's more than 2,000 per second, more than 2,000 per second. And what this bill would do is it would dramatically increase the penalties for people to do it. Now, I understand it's going to be tough because you've got a lot of these places that are overseas or whatever, or they're always moving around. But, but you know, but between the phone companies – uh, the, like the cell phone companies and the technology that's out there, it, it seems to me that we have to be able to do a better job. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Betty on the south side. Hi, Betty. Hi. I'm sure glad you're talking about this. I just received a call within the last half hour from Aurora. That's our, that, that's our, right. we see, and I picked it up, and here it's a robocall. And I lit. I'm. I. I was really upset. <laughs> I was. It was. I had from hearing aids. They wanted to give us back braces, hearing aids. Our computer is corrupted. Medical supplies calls. Sometimes I get four and five just from them per day. Right. I, and I have. A, I have a disabled husband, and he doesn't quite get the fact that all the time that there's somebody that right. is right. Stammer. And I, I'm scared to death that someday he's going to be. Letting the cat out of the bag, and and then we're really going to be a couple. Oh, oh yeah, and that and that's what happens, and that's what these people count on. That you know, you only need to you only need to do that once, and and obviously, that the fact, like the last lady was saying, if she's got one person coming into their business every day, you know, trying to take money out, uh, you know, buy some prepaid card because there's a social security thing, that tells you that there's just all sorts of other people, and and if they're making two thousand calls a minute or whatever the number is. All you need is one or two people every 10 minutes, and, you know, you're, you're going to be getting money. It's aggravating, and it's just fundamentally wrong. Very, very, very wrong. I had the call with about the granddaughter. The granddaughter was, you know, compromised. Oh. She was someplace and needed money and blah, blah, blah. And I had just seen her. I said, you know, I, I, fortunately, I had just seen her. Right. Fortunately, it was me. And right. uh, got rid of that one, too. So right. it's as fast as the government can do something about this. I will be one happy lady, I'll tell you. Well, Betty, I, I'm with you. And what, what she's talking about, that's the other scam that, that's still going around where you call somebody up and, and somehow they, they identify, I don't know how they do it, but they identify that, you know, you've got a grandson, you've got a granddaughter, your your granddaughter has been arrested, she's, um, you know, she's can't get a hold of her parents and, you know, she, you know she's going to be spending the night in jail or she's somewhere else and, you know, you, we, we need this money right away and you need to go and clean out your ATM and you need to go and get one of these prepaid cards. I mean, and it's, and, you know, you, you say it in the light of day and people go, that just kind of sounds fishy to me. But at the same time, phone rings at 11 o'clock at night and it's this, oh, this is this emergency situation. And, and sometimes, you know, I mean, okay, you don't want your granddaughter spending the night in prison or jail or whatever. So you end up going and doing that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Rose in Oak Creek. Rose, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hi, Jeff. I love your show. Thank I just you. want to tell you, I've gotten six of those robocalls threatening my Social Security today. And a couple of minutes ago, I got another one, and I hang up on them immediately. But you know what? I can't even break the connection on the landline phone. I'm trying to make another phone call, and they're still on there. I can't even break the connection. Okay. What is, I, I uh, want to warn you how bad they are. They're very bad. Okay, Rose, what does I, – I mean, I only heard secondhand when our when our friend was kind of relating this to my wife. What, what, does, the call, what does the call say to you? about your social security number 
They, they tell me that my Social Security number has been threatened and they're going to hold up my Social Security check until they can verify that I that it's the correct number and would I please immediately give them that number because they need that number to make sure that my checks will keep coming. <laughs> and I, I, six of them, Jeff. Six. Six. Six today? Ago, I, in fact, it's still hanging on my landline there. I can't even make another call. I've, I've disconnected it and it's not disconnected. <laughs> So I want to tell you that it's 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 terrible. I hope that they can do something. This is horrible. It, no, it is no. Thank, thanks. And, and so that that that's that's it. And you can you you can see. I mean, you 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 get the right person who hears this and doesn't recognize that this is that there's all these scams out there. And somebody freaks out and says, "Well, my God, I I'm I'm depending on this. I I need that Social Security check. How am I going to pay my?" Am I going to pay my rent? I mean, this has got to come in. Of course, I'm going to call back, and here's my Social Security number. You know, there is a special spot in, you know, there's a special spot in hell for people that are doing stuff like this. That's that's number one. But number two, we should not have to put up with this. And I understand that it's it's difficult. I understand that, you know, now with the computer technology, there's this big, bad world out there. But you know what? If we can put, if we were able to put a man on the moon back in 1969, we should should be able to figure out a way to either number one stop or number two identify and prosecute those scammers that are out there trying to take advantage of my friend who's very sick or people like Rose. You shouldn't have to put up with this. Julianne in Wauwatosa. Julianne, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I received a call. I get like three or four calls a day. I never pick them up if I don't um, right, recognize that's, the number. Right, that's what I do. If it's if it's not one of my numbers that I recognize, it that's what God made voicemail for, and then it pretty yeah, much always I, gets I deleted. Have, yeah. I have printed voicemail. Cost me two dollars a month, so I could see what the person was saying. And they had said the reason that I was receiving the call is my social security number had been compromised. Uh-huh. I needed to call them back. But my feelings is the social security department will not call you. Of course not. They'll state. They will not call you. They send a letter out. Maybe they should do some service announcements and state, we will not call you. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's... send a letter out. Right. Because that would put people... Because people watch those. They take it... And if it says Social Security, it comes across the TV, people take it serious and they watch it. And the Social Security Department will not call you. Right. And, unless not. they have made a prearranged... I. I Exactly. For example, you, you can like I, what, what's happened. I, I've had on, on one or two occasions, I've had to deal with Social Security for various things. So I call up the Social Security thing. We, we there's going to be a phone interview, but it's all worked out. We've we agree that okay, we're going to call you at nine o'clock in the morning at exactly. this number. You it's get a right. Yeah, it's a, exactly. You get a letter from them confirming that we are going to be calling you at this number at nine a.m. on May sixteenth, and nine a.m. on May sixteenth, the phone rings. So right, it's they're not going to be calling you out of the blue saying your number yeah. has been compromised but you can understand people don't know that and people so they scared. yeah i i wrote this all down and i showed my daughter who's 32 and i said yeah i got this call today and she goes what did you do did you call him back and i said katie this is a scam you <laughs> right. need to know this because they could call you yeah social yeah. security department does not call you right <laughs> they and won't do it <laughs> it's like it's like the irs doesn't call you i mean the scam varies no. so people would say oh the irs just called me and they put a tax lien take some free legal advice from a recovering federal attorney the irs doesn't call you out of the clear blue and say we're putting a tax lien that's just not how they operate now thanks yeah, for the call so, julian I, I right i appreciate it. and I, I wanted to do this 
partly because I wanted to vent, I admit, because it just it hacks me off. Secondly, obviously what happened to my friend is is not unique. You know, we're, we're, our, people are getting a ton of these calls. Don't give them your Social Security number. It's a scam. But the larger point is, I mean, I, I think this is one where where Congress is way behind the people on this, and you, you really need to toughen the laws. Now, I'm, I, I understand it's difficult, but just because something's difficult doesn't mean you just throw up your hands and say, well, it's too hard to regulate. Bull. I mean, really, you know, we, we're active in consumer protection. I mean, this is the type of thing where people who are smarter than me, when it comes to knowing the technology and the ins and outs of this, we got to be able to figure out ways to identify where these calls are originating and then, all right, shut them down. And if that means putting pressure on the, the cell phone carriers to do it, well, let's put pressure on the cell phone carriers to do it. And it also means when you catch the people who are responsible for this, Okay, if they're in the United States, let's get some arrest warrants and let's start putting people in jail. And if they're out of the United States, okay, let's get some extradition agreements and let's start arresting people and bringing them back. People should not be victimized in this fashion. This is Jeff Wagner.